Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. And today we're going to be talking about God's grace and how it is more than sufficient. As born-again Christians, we understand that the enemy of our soul, the devil, wants to keep us in doubt and fear of losing our relationship with the Lord. I'm sure you've heard the expression, the battlefield of the mind. In other words, the battle is between believing what God says about you as opposed to what the devil says about you. Something that you have to settle in your mind and in your heart is that God is the author of all truth and the devil is the author or father of all lies. The devil will try to use our emotions such as guilt, shame, and fear to convince us that God can't love a sinner like us. If you're a first-time listener to this podcast, I encourage you to go to my website, which is pastorvic.com, and there are all kinds of free resources available. That's pastorvic.com. Thank you. The truth is that the Lord sent Jesus for sinners, not for the righteous. The dilemma is that none of us can save ourselves. We need a Savior. And Jesus is the Savior. As a matter of fact, the term Christ or Messiah means exactly that, Savior. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8, clearly shows us that truth. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Our faith, our faith in Jesus, is what releases God's grace. The word grace in the original Greek is the word charis, which can be interpreted as a gift. God's salvation is a gift of grace. Until a person fully understands what they've been saved from and saved to, they can never fully appreciate God's grace. God's grace through Jesus Christ means that I can live in victory right now in this life and that I am assured a future in eternity in glory in heaven with Jesus. Now you might rightly say, but Pastor Vic, I've accepted Jesus into my life and I still deal with sin in my life. Quite frankly, we all deal with sin even as Christians. The difference is that the Lord sees us as we shall be and not what we are. We are all works in progress. That means we are moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. Now, there are two things to consider as we fulfill the Christian walk as believers. Number one is that God has sent us the Holy Spirit to live in us and help us to live transformed lives. If we don't learn how to hear the Holy Spirit, His leading, His guiding, His teaching us through the Bible and speaking to our hearts, we will always have struggles living a victorious Christian life. The second thing to consider is that we want to change by His grace and in His grace. When we see and appreciate what the Lord has delivered us from, our love for God will be transformed into a life serving Him. What's important to understand is that God sees value in you. And that's a challenge for us to believe that we have value to God. 
You see, we can read in the Bible all the references to God's great love for us, but sometimes we have a hard time believing it. I love what Jesus says in John 15, beginning in verse 14. Jesus says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. By the Holy Spirit, by the way. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and there that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You see, as a believer, we stand in a special position, a friend of God. Then there's the powerful statement by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite scriptures, beginning in verse 37. Paul says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, once you're born again, you can't lose your salvation or position in God. Your relationship, it's not like a set of keys or a mobile phone that you've misplaced. The Lord promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content, be content with such things as you have. For himself has said, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, that's a promise that Jesus makes. And then we have the parables of Jesus attesting to our value to him. In Matthew 13, beginning in verse 45, Again, the, merchant, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a be beautiful pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, he went and sold everything that he had and he bought it. Here's the purpose of, here's the point of that prop, that prop or that parable, is that you are that pearl of great price. And Jesus paid a great price for you. Then in Matthew chapter 10, 10 beginning in verse uh, 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Again, in this parable, you see again, you have value to God. And then there are the examples of your value to God, which we find in Luke chapter 15. You're the one in 99, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and remember the lost son. Three powerful stories in Luke chapter 15. And the key is that you are that lost sheep. You are the lost coin. You are the lost son. But all have been redeemed and recovered by God's grace. Your value is not in how you see yourself, but in how God sees you. See, the problem is that we prefer to believe what the world says of us or what people say about us. None of us are perfect, but we're getting there. 
And one day we will see Jesus face to face and we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We find those scriptures in Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23. You see, all of us have been lost in life, but now we have the love of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son, and the compass, the director, the guide of the Holy Spirit living in us. I remember as a child, I would wish that I was in someone else's family. See, my family was poor. My parents were handicapped. They were deaf mutes. And so I always wished I was in a normal family. And, and I had friends, and I remember wishing, I wish I was part of that family. I would even think that perhaps I was adopted and my real parents were famous and wealthy. Over the years, I've learned that many people have felt the exact same way growing up. Well, here is the good news. You do belong to a new family, the family of God. You see, until you see yourself as, a, as valued beyond measure by God, you will always doubt and waver in your faith that he will take care of you. Imagine how different your life would be if you found out that you were a prince or a princess in real life. Your perspective would change, your priorities would change, your life would change. Well, God says you are a son and a daughter of the king. You are royalty. Now, for everything in the word to come to pass, it requires that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Spiritually speaking, your father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That means you have to combat the lies that the devil has implanted in your mind and replace them with the truth of God. 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 9, says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not upturned mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, since faith is the key to grace, let's look at God's kind of faith. Faith means you believe what God has said in his word, and you therefore act according to what you believe, even when you have doubts and fears. All of the great men and women of the Bible had moments of doubt and fear, but they chose to believe in God and receive the crown of glory. Don't allow your past to define your future. Others may point out your failures and your mistakes. However, it is what God says about you that matters, and He says you are His. For example, if I showed you a a $20 bill, what is its worth? And you'd probably respond, well, it's worth $20. Now, what if I fold the $20 bill in half? Would it reduce its value? No. What if I crumpled it up? Would it still be worth $20? What if I threw it on the ground, stepped on it, and stamped it and ground it into the ground? What would it be worth? Of course, the answer is $20. You see, it's not in the appearance that produces the value. 
The value is intrinsic. It is, it is, it is part of what, what the, of what it is. And in the same way, you have value in God's eyes. See, nothing or no one can diminish your value to him. You have value. As I said earlier, it's, our, our Christian walk is a process, and it's learning how to see yourself in a different light. The way you see yourself in the light of Christ is the process. It begins with gratitude and gratefulness for what God has given you. Our motivation to change is recognizing God's grace, which becomes the only thing that should make us want to change. That change is called transformation. It begins with a change of heart and a direction in your life. We often call that repentance. But then you will find that the Holy Spirit will lead you in new ways of thinking and behaving. In other words, the change takes place on the inside and it produces its effect on the outside, our behavior. Proverbs tells us that as a person thinks, so that person is. And so it begins with seeing yourself from God's perspective. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 provide us two things that we need to keep in mind. That we need to sacrifice ourselves in the sense of giving up our old ways. And the second part is renewing our minds. Changing our mind. And the scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living holy sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed, don't be, don't be like the world, but be transformed inside out by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is his will? It's, his will is to treat you like a son or a daughter with access to every blessing in heaven. We need to see our Father in heaven accurately. The gospel writer says in 1 John beginning, uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. It's important to, to avoid making comparisons between your Father in heaven and your earthly fathers. Earthly fathers, try as they may, are all imperfect. But on the other hand, your heavenly Father is perfect in every way. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We come to Jesus as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. As Christians, we are new creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that we need to discard all guilt, shame, and fear of the past. As a new creation, you get to start over again. But the truth is, even then, the enemy of your soul, the devil, will try to bring up your past. Listen, you just tell the devil that the old you is dead and you are a new creation in Christ. As a new creation Christian, 
The devil has no authority or power over you. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's James 4, 7. And see, that's a promise. Submit to God first, then resist the devil's lies, and he will flee. Now, let me close with an illustration that I came across. And uh, I read about an example of how your perspective can change your attitude. And so the story goes, in a certain part of Africa, a groom must pay a bride a price to the woman's father in order to marry a woman. And usually this dowry might be four or five cows. If she is, a very, if she is very beautiful or a good cook, her price is six cows. In one village, there was a woman who was quite ugly, and she was a horrible cook. No one wanted to marry her. But a man came into the village, fell in love with her, and he went to her father and said, I want to marry your daughter. How many cows do you want for her? The father did not want to ask for much because he knew that she was not very attractive. But before he could answer, the man said, I will give you 12 cows for your daughter because I love her. A few years later, a beautiful woman came back to visit the village. It was that very same girl who had once been unattractive. You see, once she knew she was worth 12 cows, she became very beautiful. God was willing to pay such a high price for us because to him, we are very beautiful and valuable. I don't know where that story came from, but I think it makes the point. How you see yourself will determine your destiny. And I encourage you to see yourself as the Lord sees you, as a son or a daughter of the Most High. God bless you, and may the Lord be with you this day, and that the Holy Spirit will help you see who you are in Him, in Jesus Christ. And so until the next time, May you be blessed this day.